Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bloom the Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Season 2. We are so happy that you are here, and we are happy to have Ashley back. I know um, on our last episode, we had a special guest, Connor Durkin, joined me for a really fun conversation about the ups and downs of Christian dating culture and some of the hangups that get young people stuck and feeling like um, relationships aren't as good as they really are. So um, if you guys missed that episode, I would encourage you all to go back. Connor was super awesome, came very well prepared, and we look forward to having him back for future episodes. So keep an eye out for him. I'm sure you'll be seeing a lot more of him uh, in the next couple months or so. Um, But yeah, if you guys are new for the first time joining us on Bloom the Podcast, I'm your host, Donovan, and this is our returning co-host, Ashley. And as you can see, she's... I almost mean, do. I don't even know if they can see. Whenever I, I sit down, apparently my stomach disappears. So <laughs> Yeah, well, she's about to have a little one, so we're excited for that. And it's exciting times over here in the Bloom yeah. family. So uh, make sure you guys go shower her with some love on her Instagram page, which will be in the uh, link below. Um, but we're going to jump straight into today's episode. We have a fun one. If you guys missed in the Q&A that we did a few episodes back, we got a really good question about therapy. And if Christians should be going to therapy. And that kind of sparked a wild thought train (laughs) of mental health and therapy and psychology and responsibility, Mm -hmm. agency, all of those terms, all of those things kind of came rushing through my mind when answering that question. We didn't really get to flush it out as much as we probably would have liked to. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking all about mental health and how Christians can respond biblically and accurately to mental health and how we can treat it and if it's something that even needs to be treated. In a lot of uh, Christian conservative circles, there's a lot of stigma around mental health and we plan to address a lot of that today. Um, so in getting started, I'm going to swing it over to you. When you hear Christians in the in the Christian circles mm-hmm. talking about mental health, what are some of the things that you hear And do you feel if it's more negative or positive or neither? It's definitely a mixed bag these days. I feel like back in the day when I think of when I was younger, it was definitely always negative most of the time. Yeah. Like even most stuff like disorders or like anything like that, even I was like, that's not even real. Like when I was younger, just because of how people talked about it in the Christian circle. Right. Now things are definitely becoming more normalized. But it's still like a very mixed bag. And I think it's still kind of like scary talking about it because you have to be careful because you like don't know who thinks what now because it's so Mm. split. Like there's a group of people that are like mental health. Like that's lame. And then there's other people who are like, no, like that's a totally reasonable thing, whatever. So I kind of have a mixed bag experience now. Mm -hmm. But definitely back in the day, it was always a negative connotation to it before. Yeah, I can second that. I feel like it's been mostly negative because i think you have the the two camps in the circles that we've run in for most of our life it's mainly conservative christian mm-hmm. circles yeah. which have a very strict view on mental health and mm-hmm. it's usually all about sin issues yeah um which there's some truth in that but it can be a little bit narrow-minded on the liberal end it's pretty much all victimization mentality a mm-hmm. lot of it Uh, where things are happening to you and you're not really responsible and these mental states, mental illnesses and 
uh, mental processes are kind of just the byproduct of traumas and of a lot of these kind of uh, all-encompassing words that we're hearing nowadays in the popular vernacular, you know, modern society, like yeah. trauma, which can mm-hmm. be, it, which is such a broad term, <laughs> and, and no doubt there is t- time and place to use a word such as heavy as trauma. But I think yeah. in today's society, we've kind of normalized abused. <laughs> to fling that word around to any given scenario where it kind of feels like it'll be applicable to make something seem like something's happening to you, even if it is, but yeah. to make it a lot bigger. So like somebody gave you a side eye. That was a traumatic yeah. experience. <laughs> I How actually have I a post on this. Y'all should go look at it. It's a blog kind of dissecting how we've abused that word. Like, where it doesn't have meaning for the people who've actually been through trauma anymore because we're all using it for our, you know, they looked at me funny type situations. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's a great point. I mean, I think (laughs) we see that all the time just with language as a whole. Language as a whole in today's society doesn't mean much because (coughs) it means whatever you want it to mean. Mm -hmm. So if I want trauma to mean... I have allergies and I can't eat certain foods and I feel oppressed by that. No, that that is traumatic. (laughs) I can eat, but I can easily apply that to myself as trauma and no one can really look at me and tell me otherwise because that's what it means to me versus if I go to a Marine vet who is going through PTSD because he's watched a hundred of his best friends get blown up, we can objectively say that one is bigger than the other, but yet the word I can still use freely to describe whatever you know applies to me right now there is some um subjectiveness when it comes to trials being subjective so one thing that may be heavy for me may be lesser for you and what you can handle Mm -hmm. but there still is realities of life that we can still apply when we're using words like trauma in very casual lenient conversation right um so on that note i think a good place to start would be kind of getting to the root of some of these issues and what mental health really means so when Mm -hmm. you hear the word mental health or the phrase mental health what does that mean for you versus what it really means like do you feel like there's different meanings of it for different people or do you feel like there's one all-encompassing meaning i don't know i've heard it used in many different ways so i kind of feel like there's multiple meanings to it because Mm -hmm. i feel like it can mean how are you doing mentally right like yeah mentally like right now i'm just feeling stressed or depressed or whatever that may be and it's taking a toll on my body kind of like that type of vibe but then there's also mental health as in like you know i have a hormone imbalance or i have this disorder and this causes my brain to you know whatever that may be so i think those things are very two different things because there's different methods for taking care of those things ultimately you have the same method which is the bible which is the root of everything but you know if you had something like a hormone imbalance that can be fixed by diet or other things whereas you know if you're just stressed that week that might be a different topic of conversation yes absolutely and that's where i think i land on mental health because for me it's more of a fluctuating state of being based on the things going on in your life Mm -hmm. so a perfect example a couple months ago i lost a job and my mental health on 8 a.m. that day when I clocked in versus 3 p.m. when I got laid off, very different mental state at those times. And yeah. when events can trigger that kind of cascade of thoughts and doubts and sinful reactions and anxiety and worry and depression, yeah. th- that can kind of trigger how I felt the next day at yeah. 8 a.m. versus how I felt the day previously. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is kind of just the ups and downs and the trials of life, I feel like, that we experience. Because 
we don't really say anything about mental health when we're in good mental health. It's kind of only used in the negative to say you are struggling with mental health. When you're going through the highs of life, there isn't that recognizing of, yeah, I'm in a good mental state Mm -hmm. because of X, Y, Z, or, you know, I'm relying on, you know, biblical truths. I'm in my word. I'm my spiritual state is good. You know, we're not ascribing those same principles when, when we're in good moments. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to look at it more as a fluctuating scale rather than I feel depressed. Now I'm struggling with mental health. There's a lot more variables that go into it. And I think being in certain circles, I know there was a couple studies, not studies, um, Sundays in July classes at Grace Community that I was a part of that kind of disregarded that fact as a whole to say if you feel down or if you feel depressed or if you've ever been depressed, it's due to a you know fundamental misunderstanding of the Bible and of the mm-hmm. truths and of those things, which I think is a misrepresentation on what people are actually going through on the day to day. It's too broad. Yeah. It's like yes, that can be the case for some people, but that's not always the case. <laughs> yeah, because I think there's the difference of the state of depression and feeling depressed. Yes. Right. So I would say to the person who's in a state of constant depression, there's obviously something they're keeping them there. There's multiple variables, whether that could be they, maybe they aren't in their word. Maybe they are misunderstanding and are discontent in God's um, you know, plan for them. Mm-hmm. And there's there's I take issue with people staying depressed. I think that's really the, the root of the issue. Feeling depressed. I can feel depressed when something in my life happens that's really difficult to handle. When God brings those trials into your life, he's not necessarily expecting us to see those trials and think, I'm so glad this is happening. That's not the point of the trials. So what would you say for someone who isn't constantly depressed but has a bend towards depression? Yeah, I would say I am that person. (laughs) So (laughs) as someone who has that bent, I would say it's a lot of honesty. So there are times in my life where stuff really isn't going well. And I have to be okay with that and trust in the Lord. And it's extremely difficult Mm -hmm. to say, Lord, I know this isn't what I planned or what I want, but you have me here for a purpose. Now help me to see that purpose. And the Lord will show you that purpose. If you look for it, he will show you the purpose in the trial. That may be three months after the trial is removed. That may be right there in that moment. That might be five years from now. But we will find the purpose for what the Lord brings us through, whether that's us having an encouraging impact on someone else by the way that we're dealing with it, whether that's us becoming closer to the Lord because he's removing something that's keeping us from him. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of variables that go into it. So when I find myself in a state of depression, there's a lot of evaluations that I'm having to do to say, okay, what's keeping me here? Mm -hmm. Because I feel depressed often where something that I don't like or something that makes me sad happens. And I feel that feeling and that bent of sin pulling me into that. Mm-hmm. And I have to nip that in the bud as quickly as possible. And I say this to people all the time when I'm talking to them that it's okay to feel things. Mm-hmm. If I go through a bad breakup or if I go through a really, um, you know, harsh day at work or if I get fired or if a lot of if a myriad of different things happen to me, it does me no service to sit there and say, I'm not feeling this. That's not real. It's mm-hmm. disingenuous. It's not really handle. It's just suppression of it, which suppression of those emotions usually leads to them working themselves out in other more harmful ways. So I always tell people to let yourself feel, but don't let yourself linger. 
Yeah. And I feel like a lot of Christians these days would hesitate to admit, like, yeah. oh, yeah, I have depression because you don't know how the reaction is going to be. And also because, like, it's we should be able to share that information and not feel like everybody's like, oh, gosh, like now we have to tell them how to fix this because they clearly don't know. Because mm-hmm. someone who admits that they're struggling with depression, that doesn't always mean that they don't know the correct answer in their mind <laughs> yeah. when they're sharing that. Like they know that this is a problem. They know what they need to do, but they you know, either just want to let it off the chest, need prayer, need support. But I think the problem is so many people are just so quick to jump to the conclusion that like, oh, now I got to tell this person what they got to do to fix that. He's on antidepressants or he's doing something. And that just makes it, I think that makes it so much worse sometimes to like just constantly beat people over the head with an answer they already know when they're struggling with something. Like, you know, like, it's just like a constant like, you really suck right now. (laughs) It's kind of like what it ends up being. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really want to harp on on today's episode is the church's involvement in mental health. Because mm-hmm. I think at the fundamental core of church body life is the responsibility on all of our parts to make sure that we are thriving spiritually and mentally mm-hmm. with one another. Um, I think, like you mentioned when we share those things that we're struggling with and we get met with opposition, mm-hmm. there should never be that type of opposition amongst the brothers and sisters in the church, unless someone is doing something that's outright sinful. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes it very difficult. And I say, I think I know it makes it very difficult for people to express what's really on their heart. And I can count so many conversations where I'm talking to someone and they, I can see in their face and in their body language and in their emotions they're struggling with something a lot deeper than what they're sharing but we're so accustomed to prettying up this thing that we're sharing to make it palatable for the person that we're sharing it with so that way we don't receive backlash that we don't actually receive any help or edification from the conversation Mm -hmm. if i'm struggling with depression i just go oh yeah you know i just had a rough week you know i'll bounce back you know monday's tomorrow i'll just start a new week that does nothing for me Mm -hmm. if i tell you Man, yeah, this week really has me beaten up and I'm struggling, feeling depressed right now and I'm not sure how to get out of it. I know I should need to be in my word more. I'm just struggling with it. Then that gives the opportunity to a brother and sister in Christ to really come alongside you and say, I've been there. Let me encourage you. Let me pray with you. Let me show you a scripture that's encouraged me this week. Let me be there with you rather than let me hit you over the head with a verse and show you why you shouldn't be depressed because we have Christ. Right. Or even taking that moment of being like, oh, you're being vulnerable with me. Now I'm going to be vulnerable with you and tell you with what I'm struggling with, too. Like instead of pretending like, oh, like, man, you really struggle, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like we're all struggling. So it's like we should be appreciating the honesty. Yeah, we're all struggling. So why is it such a surprise when someone says that they're struggling? (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to struggle with that, though. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's so crazy because we're always putting up this facade of perfect Christianity when we're at church, when that should be the place where we're the most vulnerable, Mm -hmm. because those are the people that can understand the struggles of Christian life the best. Like, I always say this again, too, like when I'm talking about fellowship, I can talk to Joe Schmo at the barbershop about LeBron James and the Lakers. What I can't do with Joe Schmo at the barbershop is tell him what I need prayer about, how I'm struggling to find satisfaction in Christ, and all those things that my brothers and sisters can encourage me to do. Unless Joe Schmo is a Christian (laughs) at the barbershop. (laughs) Right. Right. Of course. Like mine is. Shout out to G. Just had to throw that in there. Shout out to G. (laughs) 
you cut me up. Um, but yeah, so th- utilize the be- like the actual purpose of the body to yeah. lean on one another instead of bringing each other down. And again, back to the fluctuating state. Mm-hmm. At that point, when I lost my job, I had a couple options. And this is one of the first times in my life where I didn't choose the option that I usually choose. <laughs> option one is deal with it on your own. Assume no one cares and continue in that state, not just the feeling, continue in the state of depression while I try and bounce back and make it 10 times dif- more difficult for myself. Mm-hmm. Or what I did this time, which was a lot more beneficial, was tell someone, go call someone and say, hey, can you meet with me? I need to talk to you about something. And even if it feels small to you, because this was the, really the thing that I was battling is like, why am I going to burden this busy person with this stupid story about something that happens <laughs> to everybody? Yeah. Right. And that is one one way ticket way to make sure your mental health never improves. Mm-hmm. And I just remember meeting with my pastor on a Wednesday Bible study and him taking the time to sit with me, talk with me, pray with me and say, you know, you're doing a great job. You're working hard. You're doing what you need to be doing. And these trials aren't always based off of sin in your life. And it's kind of like that whole Job idea. And that's one of the first times I've ever received counsel like that in the church. That was actually like encouraging and not like, Don, why do you suck? (laughs) And obviously there are times where you have to come alongside someone and say, hey, look, I see this pattern in your life. And maybe this is a byproduct of that pattern. Yes. But that is not always the default answer. So to hear something counter to that was super refreshing. And it made me realize how rare that is. See, that's the thing. It's all situational on the person's situation, how you respond. There is no one answer. And that's Mm. the thing that Christians can't get in their heads for most of the time. Like even in like counseling, they train you on like your response in the church of what you're going to say when someone's struggling with this specific issue. And it's like, there is no formula for like, (laughs) you don't know how that person got there with that like situation. was. like, you need to know these details before you Mm. know what you're going to say. So the fact that you're already going into a meeting thinking yeah this is what i'm gonna say to this person before they even finish talking like that's where the whole problem is and i think even to double down on that thinking you always need to say something is one of the first problems that is super unhelpful i remember the first 15 minutes of my conversation with my pastor a couple months ago he was just listening he wasn't jumping in he wasn't offering a bunch of input he was just listening and just like when i thought i was finished he wouldn't like immediately jump in he'd kind of sit there and let me stew on it then i'd have a few more things to get out and same thing before it's truly all out on the table and then he would jump in and ask an open-ended question to help me flesh out my own thoughts and there's nothing worse than like when you're talking and you can tell a person just waiting for you to hurry up <laughs> so you so they can say their piece you're like bro you're not even you're not even listening to what yeah. i'm saying you're just ready <laughs> Yeah, and and this goes for so much more than just depression. I mean, I can think of so many things like anxiety yes. and worry and doubt and The worst fear. thing, you, like literally just being like, man, I'm just like really anxious about this. Well, you shouldn't be. Trust God's in, God. in control. Thank yeah. you. I have not heard that ever in my 15 years of being a Christian. Yeah. Like half these people have been Christians for years and they're like, shocking (laughs) like thank you for that (laughs) it's so sad and again this what brings me back to the question that we did on the q a it doesn't 
shock me why someone would seek outside help from the church because the church is so unhelpful with talking with one another about serious issues i think it's a two-fold issue i think one a lot of time the care is just not there yeah people don't care to the level that they should and i think two pride we have such a prideful outlook on how life should be lived and it should be lived the way that we live it and if people are living contrary to that we see them as lesser or less mature or whatever the case may be and we project that onto them when they're vulnerable with us which creates a huge barrier between everyone in the church because once you reinforce that person's thought pattern of they can't share your the whole church experience is is pointless at that point because now that person is living within the confines of I can't share how my Christian walk is truly going. And now we're just walking liars. Yep, definitely. Yeah. So what are some things that you would say are good things to acknowledge when speaking to someone about mental health? Because obviously we have the therapy route. Right. Which isn't always bad. So Especially if you're going to a Christian therapist. Yeah. So how would you counsel someone that maybe says they are going to therapy? And we can kind of give maybe a shotgun answer to what we did on the Q&A, just in case people don't watch it. To a non-Christian therapist or Christian therapist? um, I mean, I think predominantly it's non-Christian therapists that people seek because there's the psychology aspect, right? Which we can touch on. Yeah. There's the psychology aspect on human nature. And a lot of Christians discount that too. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who kind of, See psychology as a beneficial resource yeah. and sees therapy as a beneficial resource. Right. How do you respond to that personally? Honestly, I would just say that I totally understand why <laughs> you would go to a therapist. Mm-hmm. It's not that I think that everything a therapist has to say is bad. I'm sure they'll actually say some helpful things. Yeah. But being a Christian, it can never all just be that. Right. Like, even though that might be a huge part in helping something Mm -hmm. it's still there is nothing that beats having someone who understands both sides and can bring both sides together and say hey i get that mental aspect and i also get this aspect as well that we need to look into your spiritual say how is this going how is that going you know Mm -hmm. because uh a therapist who is not a christian is not going to be able to ask you all those questions that could actually help you get to the root of the issue because you know they'll just come at it from the perspective of you know like you know, what trauma or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. But a Christian therapist, hopefully, I've never been to a Christian therapist, but I know that there are good ones out there. Yeah. Um, hopefully they come at it from both sides. Like, hey, it could be either or, and I want to figure out which one it is, you know? Whereas yeah. for a therapist who's not a Christian, they're, they're not going to see any other aspect except, well, what's going on in there that's like tweaked like what's wrong with it you know Mm, yeah to like diagnose it exactly Mm. so seeing someone who has both sides that's what you need because you can't as a christian there is no putting bible and stuff to the side it's a part of everything in your life yeah and so you have to be able to include that into your mental health and everything and like i said it might not be the root of the issue of sin but you still there's no more encouraging thing Mm mm-hmm then the gospel and those things, the truths that are in the Bible. So having someone who understands both is just like, yeah, I would say I would 100% say that is the better route because a, a therapist who isn't a Christian doesn't fully understand you no matter how much you share. That's very well said. Um, I would agree with everything shared there. 
And I would also give the counter to that too, because like you said, everything at the base is scripture. Yeah. And I think in the conservative circles that we've run in for the majority of our life, we understand that truth. Yeah. And in understanding that truth, we've thrown out the other valuable things that the Lord has given us, yep. such as the resource of psychology and understanding the human nature from a very practical standpoint. Yeah. Cause obviously we can look at scripture and scripture has everything we need for life and godliness. Like it says in first Timothy, but right. there are things that we can practically practically source from science from psychology and from the study that the lord has put in people's hearts to do which are extremely beneficial for helping us understand what triggers these types of emotions and how we can best fight these things from the practical standpoint obviously coupling that with scripture like you said but we can't throw out all of the findings of psychology and science when it comes to human nature because we can all sit here and agree that psychology has a part to play in certain parts of our life. But when it comes to sin, all of a sudden we throw it out the window and just say it's sin. Yeah. So I think in certain cases where I've talked to more people on the conservative end and they say psychology isn't real and we shouldn't, you know, look at psychology because it's from the devil and like stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, I understand where the thought comes from and why people are cautious about it. Right. But I think it's more about user error. What do you do with the information that you receive? Because we live in the information age. And how do you balance it? Absolutely. We can find out so much helpful information to help ourselves become closer to Christ and become better people with the information age. We have so much information at the tips of our fingers and we can either use that information for giving ourselves a way out of our sin and to say, I'm like this because of psychology. Or we can say, I understand my sin more because I understand my human nature better and I understand myself more based off this information that I can gather here. So I think yeah. there's a lot of um, benefit yeah, I agree. <laughs> to, to things like that. And that brings me to one of the things I wanted to talk about as well is responsibility. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel like responsibility falls in the realm of mental health? Because there's aspects like you brought up earlier as far as um, hormonal imbalances that can be treated, uh, disorders that can be treated and things of that nature. And then you have more of the... Uh, quote-unquote trauma side of things where things are happening to you and yeah. things are happening in your life that cause mental health to, to go awry. Mm-hmm. So where do you say responsibility lands in the scope of this conversation? Well, that's the thing is I don't think it has to be separated. Like, mm-hmm. I think you can always take responsibility, even if it's something hormonal or something. Like, it's like this. I'm pregnant, right? <laughs> we all know pregnant people have crazy emotional range it's a whole thing depression all that stuff is common in pregnancy right and as much as i've experienced that and i could say yeah it's pregnancy i can also take responsibility for letting myself get swept into that and not doing things that are necessarily going to be helpful for me knowing i'm in that state Right. So maybe I shouldn't get in an argument with my family <laughs> while I'm pregnant because <laughs> I might lose control because my hormones all are over the place. Right. I'm acknowledging mm. the fact that, yes, the hormones are there. Like, right. there's no denying that. But I'm also putting myself in a situation to sin, knowing my hormones are there and knowing that I'm going to get pissed off and putting myself there anyway. Yeah. So it's like you can take responsibility and still understand that something's off and then figure out a way 
to avoid those situations. If you have a hormone imbalance, maybe you say, okay, I'm going to take responsibility and try and change my diet or do whatever that may be and remove myself from these situations right now while I'm not stable, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, or, you know, seeking that help, but also going to scriptures and saying, okay, how can I try and maintain this even though this is really hard for me? Yeah. Like if you have a bent towards depression, you know, it's not that the, the bet is like the problem necessarily. It's like, how are you going to handle that, though? Mm -hmm. How are you going to handle that situation? There's nothing wrong with you having that bent. But are you going to take control over it the best you can praying about it, mm -hmm. doing that stuff instead of just saying, well, this is who I am. Like, this yeah. is this is how it is. So, yeah, because I think that's w the thing that Christians are most fearful of when it comes to mental health is that fear of like, this is who I am. Yeah. This is how I was. You know, this is how God made me. I just yeah. I'm depressed. And yeah, I would agree. I don't think responsibility and mental health are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. um, I think the terms that I think of is hyper agency and <laughs> hypo agency. Hypo agency is what most people think of when they think of mental health, which is the world happens to me and I am the subject of the world. Mm -hmm. So basically trauma happens to me mm. and now i'm sad because the world is happening to me versus hyper agency which is i'm responsible for things that happen in my life i understand the world that's happening around me there are things that will happen to me but i have direct influence and responsibility of those uh events yeah so i think that's kind of where we want to land because obviously the world is going to be happening to us we are not in control of other people or the weather or whatever trials that the lord is going to put in our path however like you said we have a responsibility to respond to those trials to respond to those things and to take responsibility into where we may be leaning into it or where we may have opened ourselves up to that trial because mm -hmm. i can think a lot of times when i'm in a trial and i'm thinking man the lord's just putting me through something a lot of times that's not the case a lot of times the lord is trying to redirect my frame back towards him because i've either Put something else on the throne of my heart that isn't him and he's trying to show me that that isn't going to satisfy or i'm indulging in a sin or i'm doing something that's causing my life to spin so a lot of times there is a, a responsibility that needs to be taken on the you know up front to say yeah i'm not doing the things that i know i could be doing or should be doing and i think if most people are honest with themselves we can clearly clearly identify where those areas in our lives are mm -hmm. and we have to be aware of how we can address them, how we can fix them. And ultimately that comes back to scripture and to, you know, our reliance on Christ in those situations. Yeah, definitely. The last one that I think is interesting that I kind of wanted to touch on um, is because you meant you did mention pregnancy. Obviously, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> women are pregnant. Only women can be pregnant. But do you think there is a <laughs> any clarity. kind of, I mean, you never know who's listening. I think that's a good truth to get out there for anyone who may be new and doesn't know what we're about. Men and women, only women can be pregnant. That's just the way that it is. <laughs> Sorry. Check the science. You know, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of debate and there's a lot of back and forth upon men and women emotionally and men and women in mental health. Hmm. What lenience or forbearance do you say there is for women's quote unquote more emotionalism versus men's not feeling emotion? How do you feel like that plays into things? Do you think that's real? Is that social construct? Where does that play as far as genders leaning into this and gender being 
a factor in the equation. I really... I don't think it's that huge of a difference between male and female, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I think we say that because we see, like, little things in life. Like, you know, a, a woman getting upset over, like, you know, she burnt a cookie. And it's like, yeah, my husband <laughs> wouldn't have responded that way. Yeah. But it's like, with the real important things in life, I don't feel like that's, like, a huge disconnect between genders. And maybe that's just because I married someone who's more emotional so, like, I've just, mm. I've never had that thought of men can't be emotional because he is emotional. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's normal. And, like, I feel like you're an emotional person. Like, I wouldn't say overly emotional, but I wouldn't say all women are overly emotional either. Like, mm-hmm. I've met plenty of women who aren't. So I really just think it's all, you know, like, I don't, I don't think that, especially when it comes to mental health, yeah. like depression, all those things. I don't think those things are linked to any one gender or, you know, like, yeah, I would never think that that was linked to any one gender. I would just yeah. think that those are bends that you're like born with sometimes, you know, and that's for male or female. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, <don't> I, know. <laughs> I would. Uh, the thing I struggle on this and. I was kind of listening back to me and Nikki's episode about masculinity and stuff yeah. like that when preparing for this episode because I feel like my stance has changed a little bit since recording that. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that's been really cool about this podcast, guys, is going through life and you grow <laughs> and you learn and you see things in life. And I can look back on that episode and say that I wasn't as informed as I am now when it comes to speaking on a topic like that. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to be able to see growth in that process. But neither here nor there. I think there are struggles that are the same. Yeah. Men and women are going to experience mental health the same. Yep. However, the way society reacts to that same struggle is going to be different. Yeah. I think especially in conservative circles, again, everything is not legalism, but it's very... It says this, it's going to be this. So yeah. in scripture, we have this idea that the women, the woman is the weak, quote unquote weaker sex. And I don't mean that derogatory. It's um, either physically or, you know, headship wise. What the Bible says. <laughs> right. It's leadership. It's headship. It's physicality. It's those things. Yeah. Right. I think we look, we take that template and we've placed that onto women to say, it's okay to share your mental health struggles. For men, especially in the church, that forbearance has not been granted. And because I think it's assumed they don't struggle with that. Yes, because it's assumed we don't struggle with it and we shouldn't struggle with it is the vibe that I've gotten a lot in my experience of sharing mental health issues. Yeah. And I think this extends so much further than the church when we look at suicide rates among men mm-hmm. and when we look at rates of male versus female people who enlist themselves in therapy the rate of men versus women who enlist or reach out for mental health help, Mm -hmm. the numbers are always in favor of the women. And I think we've made it more acceptable for women to seek help where men, there's always this idea of you need to, you know, you need to rock up, you need to man up, you need to do these things that are going to not be in your best interest and i understand where that thought comes from right i get that because as men we do have to be uh emotional pillars for our wife even though nikki is 
what you would say more emotional he still is that pillar yeah, for you of emotional stability out. yeah so we've divorced those two things when we shouldn't have because even if you're a, a quote-unquote more emotional man i would say we're all emotional i would just, just say whether you're showing it or not yeah i would just say society <laughs> has conditioned us to express that emotional emotionality in one way or another yes so for men i really would just want to use this time to just say reach out to somebody especially maybe another man who you trust or that you you know respect and that who you know won't judge you and i know that that's a um hard thing to gauge and from my experience you're not going to be right all the time when you share about who that person is or who you think that person will be to you and that's okay because it's not about being right every time you still have a responsibility to yourself to seek brothers in christ to get closer to christ and mm -hmm. what they do with that responsibility is going to they're going to be responsible for that at the end of the day before the lord yep. if they turn you away and they treat you as lesser for seeking their help in fighting sin and in fighting for your spirituality that's going to be their responsibility mm-hmm don't let that stop you from <coughs> sharing the things that you need to share. Obviously, you be careful on who you share it with, but you you must do it is imperative that that happens. Yeah. Because we can't keep having this idea of men not sharing and it hurts your relationships with family, it hurts your relationships with potential spouse. I can just think it's not realistic. Yeah. You're not being a real person. Yeah, it's not who you are and <laughs> I remember my thought process again was just so much different when I was younger. I remember when I got into my first relationship, I thought, okay, this is my person. I'm going to be heart on my sleeve and tell this person who I am and how this, these things make me feel and all of these things. I'm just going to put it out onto the table. And the sad part about it is women aren't conditioned to receive that. Women are conditioned to give that, but they're not conditioned to receive it. it would, it's very difficult for a lot of people who, who have stereotypically seen men to be just these emotionless rocks to now someone who needs your emotional support back. So it was very hard for that person to receive that and to know what to do with it. And I think that's sad. So we need to broaden that up a little bit so people are not seeing this for the very first time when they meet someone like yourself who is open enough to be vulnerable with them, especially as believers, especially as believers, we should be expecting that. It shouldn't be the opposite where we expect this person to have no kind of emotional baggage, no kind of um, emotional things that they go through on a regular basis or issues that um, will arise later. Maybe they don't start mm -hmm. with it, but it'll certainly come. We're guaranteed that we're promised that in scripture. And I think that's like also an immaturity thing, too, because I was going to say that you should look for a wife who can be that person that you can should. handle that information. Because I've heard men say, and I'm like, wow, then your wife probably just sucks. <laughs> that's not all women. But like, they'll say, like, don't take any issues you have or any of your struggles to your wife. She can't handle it. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like. That's sad if your wife can't handle it, you know? Like, I feel like that's a quality you should look for in a woman that can 
not like can handle that information of Mm. you sharing being honest with your wife because you can't have a marriage without honesty so if you're just carrying all her weight and she's literally just sitting there doing absolutely nothing i don't think that's like a proper marriage you know like you have to be able to be there for each other because it's not just oh yeah this man and a woman it's your brothers and sisters in christ Mm -hmm. first and foremost and we're to carry each other's burdens like that isn't only for men to do for women like if the bible wasn't like men carry women's burdens like yeah it said you know as believers were to do that right so i think that's something to look for in a woman that's a sign of maturity because yeah. you know if if they've grown up having this idea of men then they're that i feel like sinks into other aspects of life too i would agree and it affects you in many other ways than just her being like you're supposed to be emotionless (laughs) like she's gonna have other issues as well and this is why this is such an important topic because there are plenty of people that i know that are very mature but still kind of fall into this camp Mm -hmm. and it's not always necessarily their fault obviously we have a responsibility to be brains and to seek out the truth but to unlearn something you've been or to unlearn something that you've been subconsciously taught since the day you were zero yeah. is very hard to do. And to get into a relationship and to find out that men can be extremely unstable at times. Yeah. And I mean, let's just be honest, guys. Life of men is hard. To be a provider, to, to lead your family, to, be able, to have to make decisions for your family, there's a lot of weight and pressure that comes with being a man. And I think one of the things that I hate the most is the church's reinforcement of that because I, I always think of the classic joke right on mother's day we get mothers are great they're superheroes they're the best people in the world we love our mothers and then on father's day we get fathers do better man up you're kind of trash that's kind of like the whole joke in the church right like we've all been there for those sermons mm-hmm. and i think that's a pretty picture perfect idea of what i'm trying to express here is that the church doesn't encourage their men in any way we're I mean, no one values the uh, the time spent and the, the sacrifices made on the large scale. And I think that kind of reinforces the mental health struggles of men because not only do they feel like they can't share, but the things that they do that are expected of them are never appreciated and they're never I feel like acknowledged. Even like it kind of shows like even when it comes to pregnancy, right? Most people like how are you doing like mentally and stuff yeah like, for, for the pregnant woman of course they should ask that because like it's yeah. had hormones and everything and, yeah right? again i'm not saying we shouldn't no, do that still yeah. yeah but also it would be nice if people ask the man that i mean i'm not i'm yes i'm becoming a mother but he's also <laughs> becoming a father and yeah. he's the one who has to provide for the baby he's the one who has to take care of me while i take care of the baby like there's a lot of steps in that and like i think people are like this is like life-changing for you mom and I think part of that is the misconception that men don't have as big of a part to play in their child's life because there's so many deadbeat dads out there who are just like, yep, I never get up to check on the baby. That's my wife's job. Like, you know, and like, that's sad. But like, for me, I know 100% Nikki is not going to be like that. He's going to be a super hands-on dad. You know what I mean? Like sharing that that weight with me yeah. so i want him to be asked that because it's a huge life-changing event for him as well so i feel like and it I shows think even that just too. if you look at the church most dads are that yeah you know if they're true christian men and they're living they christian be. If lives you're not, get your act together <laughs> you're in you're parentally invested in your child you're raising your children to be people of you know 
people of the Bible to be Christ followers, you're raising your kids to be Christians. So this presupposition that only women are doing that is just such another, you know, dig into the men's mental state on how they're viewed. So I just would just plead with anyone listening to this that feels like they aren't appreciating. This goes for man or woman that feels like they're not acknowledged that feels invisible that feels like they can't share their struggles that doesn't have anyone to lean on message us <laughs> yeah seriously. message us leave us a comment do something like this what this is what this whole platform is for and if nothing else of this podcast comes of it and one person is encouraged and can message us or can share something with someone or shares you know something with someone in their church and is encouraged by it i'll be i'll die a happy man because there's so much loneliness and isolation amongst the church, and it breaks my heart. Yep, we're not supposed to be walking alone. Yeah, that's and the opposite. <laughs> we have the facade of not walking alone due to social media and due to events and fast-paced change and dopamine hits constantly that we don't even realize how alone we really are until it's 10 p.m. at night and you're home alone and you have nothing else to do and no one to lean on except christ and obviously christ is always there for us but he gives us the church for these tangible immediate needs Mm -hmm. and when the church isn't meeting those needs it leaves the sheep of the church to fend for themselves Mm -hmm. and that never works so again if you're feeling this way let us know we'll talk with you i don't care what you're doing what's happening (laughs) we'll talk you through it and we'll pray with you yep and a word to the churches as well. I think being in the church that I've been at has been a very eye-opening experience because it's the first church that I've been at where I feel like it's hap- this is happening yeah. and why I felt comfortable enough in the first place to even go to my pastor because I've been to a lot of churches, guys, and I've never gone to my pas- <coughs> pastor before in the way that I did this time around. Mm-hmm. And the times I've done it similarly in other places, maybe not to the same extent, has been met with my previous expectation. And it's just been very refreshing to have this church shatter that expectation for me and show me what the church can be if it's applying what the Bible says to be. Mm -hmm. So to churches out there, you are your brother and sister's keeper and keep that mindset. And to anyone listening who feels like they're struggling with mental health or who is having a rough go of it and doesn't know who to turn to or who to share with, again, we're here for it. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. Yeah. No? <laughs> Pregnancy Alrighty. brain. I'm probably thinking of something right <laughs> after we stop recording. <laughs> no worries. Well, we may have to do a part two. I know Connor wanted to hop in on a similar yeah. topic. So cool. I'm sure we'll be getting a, a double dose of a similar topic sometime soon. But thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys were encouraged by this episode. Hopefully something we said will stick with you and encourage you. We want to know what your thoughts are on mental health as well. So leave a comment, leave a like, don't forget to subscribe. Let us know how you're doing and uh, Lord willing, we'll be seeing you on the next episode. We'll see you later.